Hello and welcome to Brand New Me with Shate. I am your host, Shate Thompson, and we are here for season two of Brand New Me. I am excited to switch things up just a tiny bit and we're gonna have some girl chats, right? Who does not like to have a really nice girl chat, grown woman talk, just relaxing, where you can sit down and just talk about some of the topics that you you might indulge in with your girlfriends. So we're going to have some girl chat before we dive into speaking with the experts. Remember, you can always send in some questions or topics that you would like us to cover. You can send it to Shate at Brand New Me Journey. Well, let's get right to it. Hello, hello, hello. I have my day one here with me today. Super excited for our girl chat. Welcome, Shakia. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited to be here in this space with you today. How exciting. Definitely. So we naturally have so many wonderful chats. So today we I wanted... <laughs> I wanted us to be able to talk a little about um, emotional immaturity, right? In a relationship, in dating, right? Because so many times are we even looking or paying attention to these things? So what's your thoughts on emotional intelligence? I actually have a shirt that says emotional intelligence is sexy, right? Because that's <laughs> what we want. <laughs> Absolutely. And that is an insanely important, crucial, can be a make or break topic when it comes to relationships. And then I guess if we're talking about relationships, um, that can be relationships in so many different ways, um, different facets, intimate relationships with with your intimate partner. And then that spreads out to your friendships, to Mm -hmm. your family, um, to coworkers, just, um, you know, understanding well I guess we should first define emotional intelligence right um yeah I I mean just definitely having an understanding of how to um communicate with someone um on an emotional level identifying you know their strengths their weaknesses and and how you compliment um how you can compliment them yeah. Um, I, do you like, have a better definition for emotional intelligence? I like that definition. It's it's where you are in tune with yourself, and then you're able to um, effectively communicate it with others. Where you you're able to respond and not react. You're able to connect, be vulnerable, um, be your authentic self, but then also having hard conversations and opening yourself for hard conversations. And when you're having these hard conversations, it's not breaking the dynamics of the friendship slash relationship, right? Um, Yeah, 
Absolutely. I mean, I think you definitely have dived already deeper into the definitions and the facets of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think on it, just on a simple level, if you will, um, it's just really having the ability to, to perceive or to understand. And as you had mentioned, to manage your emotions and, and how they um, relate to others. Right. So just so that, you know, folks understand like what exactly does it mean Mm -hmm. um, to be emotionally intelligent Um, and that and then and even using the term emotional intelligence isn't an insult at all by Mm -hmm. by someone. If it's used when someone's saying that you're not emotionally intelligent, that just means like maybe you don't have a, a, a good grasp of what how your how you feel and how that relates to the other to another person I love that you said that because folks can take it as an insult right but it really just means like we all are growing and we all have um improvements that we can do on ourselves so if that's ever said to anyone it's where all right there's room for improvement so let's let's do some inner work to be able to help ourselves to get to a place of being more emotionally mature. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that another simple phrase that I would probably use is like, what do I feel? How do I feel? And how does, how does my feelings affect the other person? Mm-hmm. Good stuff. I think that's like a really simple assessment. Like, what is it that I'm feeling? And then how, how, does my feelings affect the other person or, you know, the group of people at large, if we're looking like working with coworkers and so on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that those, I think that that's a major thing when it comes to interacting with other people, because mm-hmm. the reality is, is that we are, we are not islands. We're all people. We all, you know, um, interact with each other on a daily basis. So it's mm-hmm. important to understand how you feel about things. And just as I said, and how the way you feel affects others, right? Um, I think when it comes to intimate relationships, for sure, um, that's a big deal. Because um, I think that folks like to, I think folks like to think that when we come into relationships, that we're coming into relationships because um, we want to be with another person, right? Because you think of relationships and you think, and this is just my, listen, I'm no expert at anything. This is just my understanding, my thoughts on it. Um, so I think that a lot of times folks think that, Hey, I'm coming into a relationship. So, and when you think of a relationship, you automatically think of a pair or at least you and another person. And, and, and depending on the dynamics of a relationship, uh, depending on the dynamics of an intimate relationship, you know, if it's more than one folk, one person, if it's multiple folks, if it's an open relationship, whatever the dynamics are, but Mm -hmm. you think of yourself plus, Mm -hmm. right? You think of yourself plus another, yourself plus multiple partners or whatever. It's more than, right. right? Yeah. And so I think sometimes we don't really take an assessment that when we're in relationships, we're really in a selfish way in that relationship to serve ourselves. Uh-oh. Yeah, I think that people don't think about that. Yeah, I'm with so-and-so, 
but I'm really here because I want to feel good. I want to, and whatever that feel good means, that mm-hmm. feel good could mean that you're a giver. It could mean that you're a receiver. It could mean you're the helper, whatever that feel good is. But we're in relationships because we want to feel good, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes, and I think more often than not, that what we want and how we feel supersedes our intelligence in understanding how the other person feels and see, and wants to be felt. Yikes. Okay, wait a minute now. So you uh-huh. make a really good point, but then for the individuals that are emotionally mature, are you saying that these emotions are still superseding for them as well? Absolutely. And I, I really do stand by that. I think that um, even for those that are emotionally mature, and I think, and in, in, in <laughs> I want to, I want to say that we're venturing off on a, on a really sticky road there when okay. we continue on this one, because it could be translated into manipulation. Uh oh. Uh, yeah, it could be translated into ma- manipulation, but I do believe that even for those who are emotionally intelligent, who have a good grasp on how they feel and how their feelings affect others around them, there's still a sense of self-serving, even to this sense of, um, I want to, I want to give, I'm a giver. So I want to be with someone who wants to take in some sense. I want to be with someone who wants to receive the things that I give, you know, or, or for that matter, I'm a taker. So I want to be with someone who's willing to give me praises, give me, you know, accolades or things of that sort. I do think that um, even for those of us who are emotionally intelligent and how we respond to them, there is a sense of, still serving ourselves. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. Mm-hmm. I think the intelligent part of it is knowing how to balance it and understand. Say that. And yeah. It. yeah. I don't think that it's wrong at all. I think that the, the intelligence comes when we know how to balance it. We know how to um, give and receive. We know how we are um, acting and how that, or how, what we're doing and how that affects the other person. Definitely. And I love it. I love it. And I love it that you were able to bring it back because I was actually able to take it there. Right. I was actually able to say, first of all, in relationships, so many folks in all types of relationships, so many folks are going in, hoping the other person's going to complete them. Right. Right. So when we want to be completed, then we're going with that mindset of, okay, when these things are happening, it's making us feel complete and it's serving this purpose for us. And we're loving all of these different things that we're able to receive and feel and blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Um, But like like my book says, and it's really focused on, we need to be complete in our own selves and then be complemented in relationships. So the fact that we can be complemented in a relationship is where that balance comes in. Right. And when we are mature emotionally, now we're able to be more in tune, do some like introspection and reflection type work to know that there is a fair amount of give and take and needs being met and pouring into each other and not being manipulative when we are. Um, communicating and connecting with those that we truly care about. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think that you even hit on another great word, which is communication, because you can be emotionally intelligent, but if you can't communicate that intelligence, then then that in of itself can, you know, either, as I said, and, you know, as we were starting our conversation, it can make or break the relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and listen, again, nothing I say is Bible. Nothing I say is fact. This is just my experience, my observation, um, my thoughts, and even things that I want to um, implement in my own life and yeah. things that I'm, I'm, I'm actively attempting to implement in my own life. So as I speak, I'm speaking in general, but I'm also speaking to myself. So yes. love yeah, it. love it. And when you started, you spoke about, you know, platonic relationships, family relationships, friendships. So for me, I'm going to go a step further and say a deal breaker for me is emotional maturity, right? Mm -hmm. And that is a deal breaker for me in all of my connections, right? So when I'm dating, it's definitely a deal breaker. Um, But then in my friendships, I, I connect with others that I am able to to communicate emotionally with. And we are able to to talk about what we're feeling, why we're feeling it, holding each other accountable with things. Like I I have a homegirl that checks me, like we can call each other and we know that things are gonna be extremely real, raw, but with love, right? And we're able to do these things because because we are emotionally mature. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's super important. I agree. I agree. I think though, I'd like to even add though, this for the emotionally intelligent person, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes the, I, I want to be careful of, of the, of which, you know, Ver- which uh, verbiage I use, like which words I use, um, because sometimes the responsibility, and maybe that's a heavy word, mm-hmm. right? But sometimes the responsibility lies on us to kind of manage other folks' emotions some- as well. Which and here's what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Here's what I mean by that. Um, if one is emotionally intelligent or more emotionally intelligent in a relationship and the other isn't, Sometimes it's up to the, to the one who is more emotionally intelligent to just kind of understand how to maneuver and how to move in that, in that relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't necessarily, and it could be, it, it depends on each person. That doesn't necessarily mean that that relationship is a deal breaker mm-hmm. um, and that there cannot be communication and there can't still be a relationship. Um, but sometimes the, the responsibility may lie on, on the one who has a little better grasp of how to manage and understand each of the party's emotions. Yes. yes, yes. Um, and, and I think that that's it. I think that's, you know, an important part to, to think about as well. Um, I read something recently that just said, um, we have to be careful not to um, share or not to um, constantly speak about the things that we have to others who don't have it 
Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and what I took from that and I'm paraphrasing it. Right. Mm -hmm. But what I took from that is that sometimes we have to be careful to not, you know, kind of tell someone, Hey, look, dude, or chick, you're emotionally unintelligent. Um, Cause that can be offensive. Folks can take it offensive. And um, sometimes it's just, it, that's where I mean, where the responsibility lies on us to just kind of manage that that interaction, manage that conversation, manage, um, you know, the events or the activity that's happening. Um, so the one who is emotionally intelligent, sometimes the responsibility lies on them to just kind of manage it for the both of them or for the group of them. Yes, that's a great point. That's a great point. I'll go a step further and say by being that responsible one, right? It's where we take note of what the the other person's capacity, what they actually have the capacity to do. And then we carry ourselves accordingly, right? What I mean by that is, let's say we know that this individual doesn't know, like because of culture, because of upbringing, because of who they are as a being, they might not know how to meet us where we are or communicate things a certain way or be in tune with the feelings beneath those feelings, right? And then with what you're saying our responsibility is, our responsibility is taking note of that and then giving that, 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 that space or not holding them accountable for what they don't even have the ability to do. And yeah. that now we, we protect our peace or ourselves by not having those expectations that they should, that should word, they should be able to do certain things when they have shown us that they might not be able to. And that yeah. responsibility then is on us to take a step back or to not have certain conversations or not engage on on certain things. And that in itself is protecting us and the the dynamics of that relationship. Absolutely. Well said. And 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 because we are able to do that, that in of itself is emotionally intelligent. Definitely love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was awesome having you here, Kia. Miss well, Shakia. Thank you. thank you so much for having me. I am again super thrilled and honored to just be able to sit and chat with you um as you've mentioned we have known each other forever we have referred to each other as day one yes yes. Um, but there's just been so many wonderful things that I've gotten a chance to just you know see happen with you and so I'm I'm excited to be able to share this platform with you beautiful thank you ma'am Well, as we end girl chat, I look forward to having you on again, ma'am. You take care. I look forward to it. Hello and welcome to Brand New Me with Shate. Today we have a special guest, Marquita Johnson, who is going to speak to us about the journey of being the one. Welcome, Marquita. Thank you so much, Shantae, for having me here. I'm excited to share um, with your listeners today more about being the one.
Yes, yes, right? I'm excited to get in. But before, let me tell the listeners a little bit about you, okay? Marquita Johnson is a graduate of Mercer University with a Master of Science in Community Counseling and a Master of Divinity. Marquita received her undergraduate degree from Georgia State University in Psychology and Sociology. She is a licensed professional counselor in Georgia, nationally certified counselor, board certified telemental health counselor, and a certified professional counselor supervisor. Marquita is also a brain spotting practitioner. Her specialties include women issues, dating, divorce, spirituality, and step families. Currently, Marquita enjoys private practice work. She is currently also pursuing her doctoral degree in counselor education and supervision at Walden University. Beautiful. Good stuff. Welcome. Welcome, huh? Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So the title, Journey of Being the One. So many times we're trying to find the one, right? Right. But it's so important to make sure that we are the one ready for the healthy relationships, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we dive in, let me find out a little bit about what inspired you to do this work of helping singles heal, date, and get into healthy relationships. You know, Shante, I have to be completely honest and transparent. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of my own journey, you know, um, in working as a therapist uh, for the last decade. Um, Every time I say this, like, wow, you've been doing this for a minute. (laughs) Uh, I'm like, uh, people were coming in and they were really struggling with relationship issues. And Mm -hmm. it was their like, intrapersonal as we talk a lot about but also the interpersonal relationships right. um, which we sent we tend to focus a lot on those um as opposed to the relationship within ourselves and I want to say I was at church and um the pastor was kind of talking about um like this idea of being the one and it kind of stuck with me and I was like wow you know what a lot of the work that I was helping clients with was their internal work Like they thought, oh, I'm going to come in and talk about like my girlfriend or my boyfriend, my husband, my wife, my partner. Um, And then we start talking about them and they're like, wait a minute. Like, I think you pulled a fast one on me. Uh, What's this with you? And I'm like, well, that person's not here. So, I mean, unless you're coming in as a couple, we could do couples work. But I'm like, it's really not fair for us to work with someone that's not in therapy. So we got to work on you. And so from that point on, it was kind of like, yeah, that's a. A shift in, as you stated, often we're looking to find the one, you know, he that finds the wife kind of a good thing, like the find, the find, the chase, the chase. But then it's like, okay, what about you? Like, mm-hmm. what have you done on you lately? Like, what, what type of work have you done on yourself lately? And um, again, it was out of my own personal journey with relationships and just kind of struggling and, and like, what's going on? And then it's like, lean into yourself and lean into like, um, self-improvement, self-love, um, really just honing in on enjoying your life as a single person, because you are still valuable being single. Like, it's yes. not, <laughs> you know, it's not like, Ooh, don't, you know, single people all over there. Like you can really have a feeling life. And ultimately 
people want to join you on that process. Like they see you having fun. They're like, oh, this person is like living their best life. Like mm-hmm. I want to be a part of that. Exactly. Like, it, it, you know, when you're over there, like people are like, I want to be a part of that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, so really just leaning into the work because it's a lifelong journey. Like when we Definitely. really look at it, the longest relationship we have is with ourselves. So you might as well get to work on it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. And, and that really is kind of like the sole focus of Brand New Me, right? Because on my own journey of rediscovering myself after divorce, it, it was a whole thing where I never dated before. Even like before my my then husband, I never really dated. So it was going out there, getting to know myself and enjoying my own company, right? Right. Because if I can't enjoy me, how do I expect someone else to enjoy me, right? True, true. (laughs) So true, so true. And people forget about that. mm -hmm. They do, they do. Good, so now tell me, why is it important for individuals to go through this process and then start to like emotionally detox, right? Because they're coming to you, they're talking about these individuals and then now you're turning it back on them. So emotionally detoxing in a relationship, like what does this process even look like? Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. I was talking with another colleague yesterday about this emotional detox and like when to know um, you have been like cleansed of a person, like what are some of those signs and and um, symptoms of mm-hmm. going through this cleansing. And so we all have that relationship. They're the foundation for our lives. And whether that's toxicity in your familial relationships or your personal, like dating and um, friendships, you uh, really look at what is a healthy relationship. So you really want to be clear about what consists of a healthy relationship. Otherwise you'll continue to repeat those unhealthy habits. So to know usually when you're fully detoxed is when you focus on doing your work, handling your baggage, going through your, your laundry, Mm -hmm. uh, separating those, uh, you know, clean from the, the not so clean and really like washing and cleansing it. And that can mean you're seeking out the help of others, you're seeking out the help of a therapist. You're also seeking out the help of those that walk alongside of you in life because they have insight on who you are too. And hopefully those are people that you can trust. So that's going to be continuously important because we grow in relationships. And often that growth is out of uh, someone else pointing out information, but also us pointing out and tapping into like, this is some work that I need to do for Mm -hmm. myself. So Mm -hmm. often you'll know that you have detoxed when you can clearly move on in a way that you're not repeating these same negative or toxic behaviors. You're no longer blaming someone else. Okay. Uh, for your problems yes. and you, for the hangups and hiccups uh, that you have in your life and that you are fully taking responsibility for <laughs> your dating and relationship, <laughs> you know, and for your happiness. Mm-hmm. Key is mm-hmm. you are owning your happiness and you're taking full responsibility for I have this opportunity to curate my own happiness. I don't have to wait on someone else to bring happiness to my door. Like I have it. And anyone that's coming into my life will add to that. As I say, my happy paint, they can add to that, but they're not the totality of it because if that relationship dissolves or even, you know, catastrophe happens and other things can happen where death or loss 
and then you no longer have love or you no longer have happiness. And so it's really important to curate that within oneself. I love it. I love it. And that really just fits with the theme that I continue to teach about being complemented in a relationship and not completed in a relationship, Right. right? We need to make sure that we ourselves have autonomy when we are in these relationships with others, because when, if they dissolve, we need to be able to continue to know who we are and take, take time to enjoy self, you know? So I I love that. I love that. Now from, I I love that you gave the examples of what it looks like, right? Where it's where we we are not blaming ourselves or blaming the other person and that we're taking Mm -hmm. accountability of what went wrong. And then we're taking Mm -hmm. the, the time to now make sense of what are the things that we need in a relationship moving forward? What are the lessons that we Mm -hmm. were able to learn from this past relationship? So we're not dating a different face, right? With the same types of things that we just dealt with, right? The the same type of issues and negative habits and red flags. So that's, that's good. So now if we are able to identify these things, right? And we, we really want that companionship piece. Is that Mm -hmm. all we need to be able to get out there and start dating again? (laughs) I wish that was all you need. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I think, you know, Shantae, that brings up an important part and aspect about dating and relationships. Like, I think people just want them to be really easy and they're mm-hmm, not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not here to like burst anybody's bubble, but they're work, you know, um, and it's not all the time like this grueling hard work, but they are work because you're embarking on a journey with someone else and there's always you know bumps and hiccups mm-hmm. on that road because you're growing yeah um and often I uh if anyone's a parent I always give that parallel of being a parent like a child is growing and you don't tell the child like stop growing like you can't grow anymore right you adjust you shift exactly. as a parent you get new tools you get new resources you become innovative you become creative um but you're always like um nurturing that relationship because you know that that's important so I told my you know couples singles individuals it's complicated that it will be work but it's a journey so really embracing the full journey that it is um Mm -hmm. and and appreciating it for what it can bring and add to your life because so Mm -hmm. much so is added from being in relationship with one another I think it's the you know primary way that we grow like because we're getting mirrored, you know, we're holding that mirror up to one another and we're seeing the reflections. And so in that we're having conversations, we're, you know, doing our own inventory, we're seeking out um, suggestions, we're reading books, like it's this constant um, growth process, process of growing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's beautiful. Like even, even during the, you know, thorny times when it's, you know, painful, Mm -hmm. it's still overall a very beautiful process. So yeah, just knowing yourself and knowing what you want in of itself is a step in that direction, Mm -hmm. but it's not the totality of it. So really, like you said, doing that inventory, um, continuing to reassess Mm -hmm. and assess what's going on and celebrate your wins. Like I think we forget to do that. Like we focus so much on, you know, even the negative aspects or the struggles that we have in our relationships or even within ourselves that 
we don't celebrate the wins. We don't um, acknowledge the work that we have done Mm -hmm. um, that has allowed us to get to the place where we are currently. Okay, so that 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 gives me a question for you then, because mm-hmm. yes, so now is there ever a time when it's when we really know that we are okay to start dating, mm-hmm. or is there ever a, a time when we should not think about mm-hmm. dating? Because the 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 work yeah. is constant, <laughs> right? Right. So when and this work is constant, what should I keep in mind, or what should listeners keep in mind? Absolutely, and I think you know there has been like this um, kind of uh, response earlier of like, don't date until you're fully healed, but healing is an ongoing process. So what are you saying? (laughs) And I always encourage people, it's not that you cannot date just because you're not fully healed from something, because again, this is a journey, Mm -hmm. the brand new me, you Mm -hmm. know, the journey of becoming, you know, yourself of being the one. And so in that, I would encourage people to really look at where you are and what you can manage emotionally because relationships are emotional investment. Like it's a very heavy lift of letting someone walk alongside of you on your good days, your not so good days, the times you want to be around them, the times you don't, the times you know what's going on with your emotions, the time you don't, you know? So a lot of it is also this comfortability for you. So really reassessing and evaluating yourself And that comes from Shantae really knowing yourself and knowing like, oh, this is something that I can be open to, although I may not be 100% ready. When are we ever like for anything? Exactly. (laughs) Like when am I 100% Mm -hmm. um, like, yes, I'm full in. It can be like, I'm kind of like 60%, but I'm open to the process of growing. I'm open to the process of hearing feedback. I'm open to the process of being vulnerable, open to the process of stretching myself in and being able to communicate and hearing feedback and doing the work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that would make the difference of that person really understanding where they are emotionally, where they are physically, you know, their boundaries, Mm -hmm. Um, what I'll say, their negotiables and non-negotiables, like, are they clear about that? And are you clear about who you are? Because you can invite somebody to get to know you once you know you. It's hard to invite somebody to get to know you if you don't know yourself. You're like, uh, you know, it's kind of like telling somebody about um, something that you've never had. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can kind of try but it's like right. you've never experienced it so how can you fully tell me you're exactly. only telling me what you might experience or you know what other people have told you but you're not saying it for yourself and so to me that would be key as to know like are you fully ready to explore you know dating and relationships because even if you don't it's still there like, I don't mm-hmm. think it goes away. Mm-hmm. Like, just because you might not be ready or acknowledge it, like, it doesn't stop the um, potential of it happening or occurring. Beautiful. Yeah, it doesn't stop it. Yes, I agree. I agree. Marquita, you started to talk about deal breakers. And that is something that many, 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 many individuals, they have their long list of yeah. things that just must take place in a relationship yeah. or for what they're looking for. And then they have like their non-negotiables. And so when it when we are thinking about deal breakers, when we're thinking about non-negotiables, when we're thinking about boundaries, which 
you know, this is something that when, when I'm working with individuals, something I have to teach individuals how to even create boundaries and then hold Mm -hmm. others accountable to them. Right. So how important are these and how do we actually develop them for ourselves when we are being the one? Right. Yeah. Boundaries are critical, Shantae, and I'm glad that you bring that up. Um, And a lot of it around like creating them, identifying them and implementing them. So Mm -hmm. often I encourage people, they're like, okay, now that I have these boundaries, what do I do with them? And it's (laughs) like, okay, you got to implement them. You have to practice. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, there's really no point in having them if you're never going to implement Mm -hmm. them. And I call them my VIP role. So I always use a lot of examples of it gives access certain access to people based Mm -hmm. on our ability to trust them and so some people may have more access than others because we create those boundaries they're flexible so they're not walls and sometimes we get boundaries confused with walls Mm -hmm. walls keep you in and others out right like you got to take down walls with Mm -hmm. bulldozers Mm -hmm. and all kinds of things boundaries are flexible you can create them recreate them um based on the level of the relationship and obviously they might be different with your coworkers or intimate relationships in your family and it's important for us to recognize that boundaries keep us safe and others safe also so it's a benefit to both exactly. and that's the difference between walls and boundaries mm-hmm. because boundaries you know provide that kind of free flow of um responsibility but you're also communicating that to the other person on wall. You just erect them because you're, you know, either you're defense. trying to protect mm-hmm. yourself. Right. But it goes to that defensive mode. And so a, a person, if they see your wall, they may put up their wall. Yeah. But boundaries allow the person to say, oh, this is also to keep both of us safe. Like mm-hmm. you're acknowledging me in this also, but you're prioritizing yourself to say, I need to communicate when I don't feel safe. And that's physically, which ultimately that's the boundary we're more familiar with. But there's also emotional boundaries. There's time boundaries. Mm-hmm. There's um, intellectual boundaries. So there are other boundaries outside of our physical space yes. of I need space boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be things that I don't want to quite discuss with someone, maybe until I've processed or worked it out myself. And then I can open up. And that's up to that person to um, be okay with saying, you know, I'm, I don't want to really share this with you until I'm in a better place of being mm-hmm. able to talk with you about that. And that's with me when I went through my divorce, people were like, oh, I didn't even know. And I said, well, I didn't want to talk to you about it until I was at a good place and I had yes. processed it and I mm-hmm. felt comfortable exactly. sharing it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time that I, I was probably in another place and I probably would have said all sorts of stuff and you'd have been like, what is going on with her? <laughs> but when I processed it, and got the support that I need, I was in a better place of where it was true and aligned with who I am. And that made me feel more comfortable than feeling pressured to like talk about something or discuss something um, that I wasn't ready to. And so that's what I would encourage individuals of, you know, create boundaries because they're a benefit not only for you, but for the other person. And if the other person is not wanting to adhere to your boundaries, then it gives you some opportunities and options to, um, you know, have some follow-up conversations and ultimately determine how much access you want mm-hmm. that person to have to you, if any at all. Like right. you get to choose that. That's you do you have that choice. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Do. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Okay. I, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, absolutely. Attachment styles. I yeah. I am in love. <laughs> yeah. I'm in love with attachment styles, right? Because it, it opens up our perspective and mm-hmm. it helps us to better understand ourselves and others, right? Absolutely. So I want you to like teach the listeners a little bit about what are the different attachment styles and how does it impact relationships? Yeah, you know, this is something that for most of us that are in like the counseling field or even um, social psychologists, they have studied like this experiment of uh, the, there was an experiment of the the monkeys, the wire monkeys, and then the cloth monkeys. And so um, with this particular experiment, what they were determining were were the the baby monkeys. They were more attached to the cloth wired mummy to like feed them the bottle as opposed to the wired monkey that did not have the cloth because that was their attachment level. And so when we start thinking about relationships, like we learn about attachments in our family of origin mm-hmm. and our family of origin or whoever raised you. So whomever provided that. Um, father and mother figure, parental figure role, your siblings, or some were raised like myself with extended family. Mm-hmm. Um, so my cousins and I were raised in the same home. And so that would be my familial foundation. I learned how to mm-hmm. love, argue, makeup, or not mm-hmm. do those things based off of that environment. So, you know, the, the healthier, secure, aka secure attachments would mean that you had someone that was consistent. You had someone that was, um, that was loving and when you needed them they were there you could rely upon them Mm -hmm. and um you had a sense of self also within that um and so you were more um emotionally stable emotionally healthy you had a healthy attachment to Mm -hmm. your caretakers and ultimately to your family of origin so it would extend out to your other relationships and that makes sense like oh if i feel stable i feel secure I'm going to go out in the world and ultimately display those same things. But the unhealthy attachment um, involves like anxious or disorganized attachment where the disorganized types is more of a like come close, but go far, come close, but back up. And often we see that in relationships where someone has had some abused or hurt or unavailable caregivers, Mm -hmm. unavailable caretakers, where they would be there and then they may go long periods of time not being there emotionally. They may be there physically, Mm -hmm. so they may provide that roof over your head, meals to eat, but outside of that, there's no emotional connection. And so the child may start to feel like, okay, I get a little something, or um, parents that are... um, having issues with substances Mm -hmm. because they may be good when they're clean and sober and then when they're not so the child kind of develops like uh I don't really know I can't trust this environment because sometimes they're available Mm -hmm. but other times they're not and so I may go to them and maybe they're experiencing a craving or something they may yell and scream and so the child kind of you know and they learn like I don't know what to do in this situation I'm not certain if they're here for me. So they kind of develop this disorganized um, pattern. And it can also bleed bleed over into that anxiety, you know, anxious, um, provoking or avoidance Mm -hmm. altogether. Like Mm -hmm. they avoid it because they are sure again about that consistency. And ultimately it's our learned behavior. Like if I go to someone and 
nine times out of 10, they are turning me away. I start to pull back and I don't go to them because Mm -hmm. I'm afraid of them hurting me again, of feeling that hurt of them um, um, dismissing me or pushing me away or it abandoning me. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. um, I find that it's uh, critical in a lot of individuals that I work with. And it's important for us to know like how our attachment style shows up because it makes a lot of sense. Like the more... The more I've talked to people about it, they're like, oh, and even for myself, when I explored my attachments, I was like, oh, yeah, totally makes sense to me mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like, why do I do this or why do I do that? And then, then you're, you know, you look at your attachment style and you're like, oh, totally. Yeah, that makes all the sense because yes. it's how we felt secure or we're not feeling secure in relationships. So that unsecurity or insecurity, whether um, impacts how we show up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, great points. Um, Sue, Sue Johnson has a really good book out. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's the, the science of love. Um, ah, it's really yeah. good read and it, yeah. I'm reading it, right. It helps you to see that no matter what attachment style you grew up with, there mm-hmm. is a way that you can become secure. You, Absolutely. you, you, your attachment style in your relationship, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be what you um, are as far as from your birth or from right. your life experiences, right? But then it, it goes further into um, doing the work to get to a more emotionally secure place within Absolutely. your relationship. Both of you allowing mm-hmm. yourselves to be vulnerable, to not right. turn away from each other, to know that you right. can count on each other emotionally, right? And then mm-hmm. from there, you can grow into having a more secure attachment style within attachment. your relationship. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you brought that up because that is the help is there. And mm-hmm. I always tell um, my clients that you can go back and get what you needed. Mm-hmm. Like you can go back and get what you need in a child. It may not be from the same person because you may actually have to be the person to give it to yourself. Exactly. And so that is healing and empowering mm-hmm. ultimately, because it's like, just because I've had these experiences and that can be from breakups and exes and divorces, like that does not have to be your story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. love that. Thank you. It does not have to be your story. Mm-hmm. Oh. That is that is a powerful statement right there, right? Yes. Because from everything, no matter what the different traumas that, that we experience, right. the, the different heartbreak, the different things that take, that take place in various types of relationships, it mm-hmm. doesn't have to define how we are moving forward. Right. So great stuff. Absolutely. And that kind of leads me right into my next question for you, because mm-hmm. this whole title is the journey of being the one. Right. Right. So, (laughs) so how can one really become that, that one? You know, um, in the book I talk about, I have this like B12 vitamin is what Mm -hmm. came to mind of us taking our vitamins because it's something as you get a little older, you, you have to do it. Right. And so like, I'm (laughs) in that place of, I got to remember to take my vitamins every day. Um, And it's really like being intentional Mm -hmm. about your relationship building. And it's such a, an amazing experience when you're able to fully embrace all that relationships have. And you're not just focusing on the good stuff. Like you're really 
saying like, I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you begin to take on a different perspective as we talked about with that growth. Like, I think, you know, in some societies, there's this fantasy about love, you know, yeah. and people become addicted to love, you know, and not really fully knowing like what that is, you know, and how they're defining it. Uh, and they're addicted to like this fantasy of things mm-hmm. being perfect and mm-hmm. things, you know, and even they put this pressure on themselves and other people. And so it becomes very unrealistic and it can become toxic because mm-hmm. you're chasing after something that's like fleeting, like it's like, oh, I get it. Then. And so you can't live up to that mm-hmm. expectation of it. Mm-hmm. And with, you know, being the one, again, it's that continuous journey of becoming. So I love Michelle book, Obama's book about yes. becoming you know, because that's the state of, okay, I'm becoming this, but being is an ongoing process Mm -hmm. of looking at me really facing the person in the mirror. And so for me, that was like truly my inspiration behind it because I was seeing so many people, including myself, like fantasizing this, you know, love and relationships and then being really disappointed with it and then live up to it. Mm -hmm. But because my expectations weren't realistic. And so- getting back to that basic of foundation of looking at, okay, what is it that I desire out of relationship? Um, what is it that I need to work on in order to be the one? Like, how can I work on myself? So when the one comes, like, I'm not like, oh yeah, let me get ready right quick. I'm already ready. Yes, and yes. I'm continuing the process mm-hmm. of being because it's like not a one-time thing. Like exactly. just because I meet this person, I was the one then like 10 years from now, there's a difference in me, it's a difference in them. And so mm-hmm. there's this process of continually growing and allowing one another to hold that mirror up to each other and being reflective in the process, being intentional in the process and being open to feedback from others mm-hmm. to say, you need to kind of check yourself. You need to work on that. You need to correct. Because often we can become very defensive to that mm-hmm. feedback. But if we're in a healthy relationship, it's a safe relationship. We can take that feedback in And we can also give feedback to the Mm -hmm. other person that allows them to grow in a place, Shantae, that they have not experienced before. And so for me, that was a lot of the reasoning behind um, creating being the one B12 relationship vitamin. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's a continuous journey and it's doing the work and looking inward while we're doing it. And I love that you said that we can check our partner. Like when we are in a safe relationship, we're able to check ourselves Mm -hmm. and we can check our partners, right? Right. Um, Good, good, good stuff. All right. And that's growth. Like Mm -hmm. a coach, like you think about a coach that coaches a football team or basketball team, like they have a perspective on the player that the player doesn't have themselves because the player is within their body. Mm-hmm. Like, makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I can see things and observe patterns and things like that, that because you're actually doing it and being, you, like, it's just a part of your everyday. And it's like, because that coach says, okay, let's try tweaking this right here. And then the person like, wow, like, I never even considered it. I never thought about that. And hence the same thing with therapy. You know, I'm always blown away that people are like, oh, never even thought about that but because I have a different perspective like I'm seeing them 
as they're presenting their whole selves. And of course, in other places, they may present parts of themselves because maybe they don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the safety of therapy or relationships that we've created that safety, we feel safe. So we get Mm -hmm. to be ourselves and not fear being judged. So um, with that B12 vitamin, I say you're being the one, you're being healthy, being whole, being single, being vulnerable, being loved, being the total package, being alive, being Mm. satisfied, Mm. and then the process of being. And so I look at those different um, aspects and we really kind of dive into those and Mm -hmm. um, really explore like with journal prompts, how you can continuously work on the relationship of your reality and not your dream. (laughs) Good deal. Very, very good. Marquita, as we just continue to dive in, you know, I really would like to know, you know, you, you mentioned about we can get lost in the facade of love, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. I like to say something about the cloud nine, like we can think about this cloud nine and get stuck about, you know, when we are in the, in the love process and we are loving on and just enjoying each other and getting stuck on what used to be so beautiful and, as the relationship continues, cloud nine is not there anymore, right? Right. So my question to you is, many of us hold on to this and we're not accepting the reality of the relationship when we are Mm -hmm. stuck in cloud nine. So how can listeners not get stuck settling in a relationship? Yeah, and that, you know, the cloud nine, as we talked about the fantasy part of it can be very enticing. Mm -hmm. Um, We think about the addiction to anything, not just, you know, substances, but love addiction, food addiction, like that first feeling is, you know, first time you had chocolate, you know, for me, the first time I had Italian food and cheese, I fell in love. I am a cheese (laughs) lover so much. So I have a, my own cheese grater at home before it was popular. (laughs) Uh, So it's some experience that you have when you have that, like love, like you think about your first love some experience that you have and ultimately if you continue chasing after that again it it's this fantasy or this um this high expectation that you're putting up that's not really realistic of Mm -hmm. like fifth grade love compared to like adulthood children Mm -hmm. bills uh pandemic (laughs) like that's a different kind of thing yes (laughs) and so you may be comparing apples and oranges and so it's really helpful to you know, have those relationship goals, those relationship talks, um, and constantly keep that line of communication open. Because what I find is when couples um, or individuals have this space in between them, the space grows and they fill it with stuff. Mm -hmm. And then once you fill it with stuff, it becomes difficult to reconnect because you got to deal with the stuff. You can't Mm -hmm. just jump over the stuff, which most people try to do because the stuff keeps getting in the way. And so, by not settling for just the um, relationship status quo, like really saying, I'm going to dig in, I'm going to dig deep, and mm-hmm. I'm going to go after it because you can. And the possibility of having a healthy, thriving relationship, a long-lasting relationship is a reality. Mm-hmm. Like um, it's definitely something that's obtainable, but you have to be willing to put in the work continuously on it. And so it's a job like con- you know, comparable to parenting, or even when you think about your career, like people go after these things with full tenacity, but in relationships, they'll sit back and say, well, this person didn't say or do what I wanted them to do or needed them to do it. So, and it's like, 
well, that's, mm-hmm. you know, a part of the process, like things don't always work out. And have you even communicated to that person right. what it is that you want and need um, out of a relationship? So settling can look like not speaking up, but expecting something. And it can also look like um, continually to convince somebody that you're the one, mm-hmm. which can become problematic. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're constantly saying like, oh, I'm the best girlfriend, I'm the best wife, I'm the best husband. Like you have to continuously um, have them to accept who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be setting yourself up to continue that dynamic in the relationship of you not feeling like you're enough because the person's not embracing and accepting you because that person may not feel like they're enough. Exactly. So it kind of reflects, you know, back. And you're like constantly trying to please someone that you're never going to please because they are not seeing you as um being the one for Mm -hmm. them and so then you have to be honest with yourself about okay is this like a we're not compatible this person not willing to put in the work um have I even identified and and communicated to them what it is that I want and need out of relationship because as my grandma would say a closed mouth doesn't get fed (laughs) if you are not saying what you want to do like you can't expect the person to be a mind reader you know and I I get really clear about that with my couples and individuals because it's like if the only time you're talking is when you come to therapy uh Houston we have a problem like Mm -hmm. you can't wait until you come to see me and start Mm -hmm. you know sharing I'm like have you told the person that you've been living with (laughs) about what's going on and so that's you know, really important to get past like this fantasy stage because relationships are on a spectrum and you can't skip over to, you know, what it it was a meme that was going around, like uh, you skipped over this song and then you realize like this was, you know, I was the, I was the track you skipped over. Uh, You can't skip over stuff just to get Mm -hmm. to the good stuff. And then you want to just replay that. Like you got to go through the whole album Mm -hmm. backwards and forward and round and round. (laughs) Yeah. Because you ultimately figure out like that's the process of relationships. Yes. Yes. Healthy ones. So doing the check-ins like that is Mm -hmm. major, right? So I talk to my clients about all the time, making sure that you're having weekly or bi-weekly check-ins with each other. What's being done? That's super awesome. What's being mm-hmm. done that that isn't so great what rubbed you the right. wrong way what what really mm-hmm. spoke your love language right like having right. these intimate conversations that mm-hmm. helps you to know if you right. are still on the same page or what can be tweaked and what's mm-hmm. working what's not working yep so. we do it for everything else we do mm-hmm. it with work you know you have those little reviews that people don't <laughs> they have their you know evaluations and mm-hmm. things of that sort um, and we have to do that with everything. And I'll, I'll give a bonus to your listeners because mm-hmm. I love them so much and appreciate them. Um, that I've encouraged couples and individuals to start journals, like journaling mm-hmm. back and forth with their significant other or mm-hmm. journaling back and forth with themselves as a yes. way of reconnecting and getting to the basics of communication. Because something mm-hmm. happens when we write down mm-hmm. the words mm-hmm. and we are really intentional about communication and we can reference back to it. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it keeps that accountability going. So I would encourage that's a good thank, little. Thank you for the bonus, ma'am. Absolutely. So listen, we are in a whole pandemic right now, right? In these COVID yes, streets. <laughs> and we still need some companionship, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So yeah. 
what does dating even look like or how can someone date safely yeah yeah <laughs> during yeah, this, this time yeah um I think you know dating has gone online you know for a lot of people um more people have been explored it especially during the shutdown because they realized the power of connection I mm-hmm. think we were busy a lot and so for a lot of us singles yes. we were like okay with, because it was like so much movement in our lives and when things stopped we were like whoa we were missing that everyday interaction, whether it was with the person at Starbucks, our friends hanging out, um, our colleagues, our family. And so it was like, ooh, I'm missing something. Like, ooh, this doesn't feel okay. And we recognize the power of mm-hmm. connection, the power of relationships. So I would say have your pandemic policy, you know, what it feels comfortable to you if you are doing an online dating or you're dating in person in real life, uh, having those uh, boundaries in place mm-hmm. of getting your VIP rope out and being clear about what helps you feel safe. You know, if it's both of us being vaccinated, having virtual dates, like people got super creative. Like yeah. I was impressed, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because I think ultimately a lot of people tapped into like, oh, wow, I've always had access to this. I just didn't take the time to be intentional Mm -hmm. about it uh, Mm -hmm. because I was busy, you know, busy working, busy going to school, busy commuting. For a lot of people, it gave us some time back. It put a pause in our lives for us to really um, think about like, what what do we value? Like, what do I want more of in life? Like we had to sit still and focus Mm -hmm. and I think you know ultimately unfortunately during the pandemic there was you know a lot of loss and grief and just a lot of confusion and anxiety but it also brought about these you know practical things that we tap back into you know people were spending more time at home they were gardening they were cooking they were doing date nights you know at home they were talking to one another Mm -hmm. um, and with one another and not at you know, each right. other. It yeah. just, you know, really got us back to the basics. So I would say um, dating looks like what feels comfortable for you. So mm-hmm. you could do the virtual dates, you could do the chats, um, you could move it up to the um, in-person and real life group dating. So dating in groups, doing mm-hmm. group activities, that's mm-hmm. become popular. Um, but yeah, people have been like, they've, they've done some like creative stuff. I think the one thing that I was like really thought that was super cute, like the picnics at a park where they come and decorate, um, you know, the person would come and decorate or the couple, one of them would decorate or both of them and mm-hmm. have like a picnic. They would bring food, cater it or whatever in a park yes. or they would do date night. They would do virtual date um, nights of um, one um particular date I think yeah that I went on we did like a virtual like tour of uh different countries or states so since you couldn't go anywhere Mm -hmm. you could just you know watch it on tv because everything Mm -hmm. was like streaming and you know even though it's a little nerdy and probably geeky but I loved it I thought that's creative yeah Yeah. we can't go anywhere due Mm -hmm. to the pandemic but you could still go somewhere so you could yeah do like cities, countries, states, and they had the drones. And I was like, this is nice. I like this. Even traveling on a budget. I I love like museums and there are some art galleries that actually are offering virtual tours, right? So even if you Mm -hmm. did that on a virtual day, that'd be super cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think people had to tap into their bag. They had, Mm -hmm. if they didn't have a bag, they had to get a bag and others tapped into their bag. So, you know, creativity, which I think is beautiful. Good deal. Good deal. 
Well, it's been amazing having you here, Marquita, and just discussing the journey of being the one. I know that my listeners are going to truly love this topic. Um, So I'm looking forward just to be able to um, have the discussions around this because you've given us so many beautiful nuggets to help us on our journey. Um, Something that I love. You're welcome. And something I love to ask my listeners, I'm no, sorry, my experts that come in, um, what is one thing that you have learned on your journey? You know, I was thinking about that, Shantae, and, you know, probably the most important thing that I've learned is vulnerability. Mm. Um, you know, it was this word that I'm always like, yeah, you know, I would, I would tell it and share it with, um, you know, clients and I found this power in it, though, um, upon stumbling maybe a couple of years. I know Brene Brown, like, was a, like, guru that mm-hmm. talked about it a lot. And I really, like, started to lean into the vulnerability and embrace it. And it's been amazing. And so, ultimately, people are like, ooh, vulnerability. Like, we want it. We want people to be vulnerable with us. But we don't necessarily <laughs> want to be vulnerable with others. And so vulnerability starts with you though. And mm-hmm. so for me, it was leaning into my own vulnerability with myself, like being really honest um, and transparent about what it is that I wanted and needed in relationships and going after that. So not saying mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, is it, you know, people would say, oh, there's no good men or there are no good women. I'm like, no, it's just those people meeting one another. Like that's the thing. It's mm-hmm. Those individuals crossing paths. I believe mm-hmm. there's just as many good women and good men, and um, it's their paths crossing. And so I met some amazing people in the most unsuspecting places. Yes. And being open, you know, to that possibility, but also not focusing on the outcome. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people focus on outcome like I was a person that planned a lot like I was like "Ooh, you know I need to feel this and uh, I need it to happen in this much time and that much time and when I really like took away that timeline mm-hmm. and stopped focusing on that um, of saying like "Ooh, this needs to happen by this time like I embraced the journey and yes, the journey yes. has been so beautiful mm-hmm. and so I would say that's what I've learned like vulnerability starts with me and mm-hmm. I started embracing the journey of love, love and relationships love yeah. it oh thank you yeah. so much for sharing that yeah you're welcome yes because many 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 times like as I work with my clients about you know making sure that we we experience the dating journey right. and the <laughs> without thinking about you know all the things that can happen. So right. I love that 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 you have shared that that's that that's been monumental and for, for yourself on on your journey. Absolutely, you know, good stuff. Um, now you mentioned your book, Yay. your book, being the one, B twelve, uh-huh. the yes. relationship vitamin. Like you've given yes. us a lot of nuggets about your book and about the, the contents of it. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners about your book? And then how can listeners um, purchase it? You know, um, it's, I thank you so much for providing this opportunity. I never, you know, dreamt that I would be an author and like have this book out here. And it was like a process to mm-hmm. publish it. But I'm so happy um, and so like, glad that I was able to like get it out because it's been just amazing and I actually have it here with me so this is it there it is okay um 
and you can grab it on Amazon. It's a really quick read and mm-hmm. it's um, designed that way because I believe people that exploration, like prompting that exploration, but then for them to take it a step further and continue mm-hmm. the journey. So it's chock full of like helpful tidbits and tips and resources and journal prompts after every chapter to kind of keep you engaged in Mm -hmm. that process of being the one. And ultimately, it's taking you from this relationship of your dreams to the relationship of your reality. Because I I thought about that. People always say like, um, oh, I want the relationship of my dreams. And I kind of kept thinking like, I don't really know if that's what I want because I, I mean, I dream quite a bit, but I only dream when I sleep. <laughs> I don't dream while I'm awake. Not last time I check, I'm not having lucid dreams like when I'm awake. <laughs> I, I have them while I'm sleeping. And I was like, although I sleep good, I don't want to experience something just in that short period of time. Like mm-hmm. I want it to be real mm-hmm. because it also focuses on that fantasy part of it, you know? And so I really wanted individuals to have this hope for, relationships of their reality which can be very fulfilling very healthy um very loving romantic Mm -hmm. and enduring um but real (laughs) so nothing fake here so we wanted to really focus on the realness that can be achieved and so that's how you do the work you know taking your relationship vitamin working out those relationship muscles Mm -hmm. and you know ultimately getting to that place of being satisfied and completing your relationships because you dealt with the foundation definitely definitely so how can listeners purchase your your book they can purchase it on amazon so they can purchase it there being the one b12 so you can put that right in that um search bar and Mm -hmm. it'll pop up and you can also go to my website to purchase it at um millennial c three.com or millennialdatingcoach.com. So definitely head over there and grab your copy. Trust me, it will be a good read and you'll probably pass it along to your friends and your families. And it's for more than just millennials too. So I want everybody to know that it's for everyone. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Do you have any um, social media where individuals can stay connected to you? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Instagram, Facebook, millennialdatingcoach.com. So follow me, tag me with your book, uh, leave me a review. Um, I also have dating and relationship conversation card starters. Mm -hmm. So you can um, purchase those also. So they're here, dating and relationship conversation starters. So if you have trouble with communicating or you just don't know what to say, I have already created those questions for you to help you out and some dating affirmation cards. So um, those can help affirm your dating life. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Marquita, for being here with us today. I truly enjoyed our conversation. Oh, I did also. Thank you, Shantae, for having me. Thank you. So listeners, please um, make sure that you go and you follow Marquita. And then um, if you have any questions or if you would like to stay connected, you can go to my website, Brand New Me Journey. You can also follow me on Instagram at Shate Thompson. And then also Brand New Me Journey. If you follow me on Facebook, on Instagram, Brand New Me Journey. I, I wanna continue just to encourage you to be intentionally hopeful and authentically you. Until next time, take care.